0: I'm Jason Comstock, and welcome to We Happy Few, the podcast that allows veterans and their families to tell their stories. On this episode of We Happy Few, I'm super excited to have three organizations represented. Uh, I know from my own personal story as a veteran that one of the struggles that that I got into uh, after coming home from Iraq was isolating. Well, now we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're being encouraged to isolate. And so I wanted to bring on three veteran service organizations to talk about what they're doing to help veterans during this pandemic. So today we've got uh, Andrew Pullins from Team RWB, Josh Hansen from Continue Mission, and John Connors from Team Rubicon. So if you would each just take a moment, introduce yourselves, and tell us about the organizations that you represent. Okay,
1: so uh, Andrew Pullins, Team Red, White, and Blue, or Team RWB for short, uh, I am the local volunteer chapter captain of the Salt Lake City chapter. We are a national nonprofit service organization that helps uh, keep veterans fit and socially active. So we, uh, we like to do lots of active stuff with each other
2: um, and together. Hi, right, I'm Josh Hansen, co-founder of Continue Mission, a nonprofit serving veterans with mental, physical, and emotional injuries from their time in service. And we just do a lot of activities to get veterans out of the house and moving.
3: Hi, I'm John Connors from Team Rubicon. I am the Deputy Director of Territory Operations for the Northeast Territory. So not out there in Utah, but I'm responsible for our members uh, from Maine down to Virginia and across to Pennsylvania. Uh, Team Rubicon is a nonprofit that serves communities by mobilizing veterans to continue their service and use their skills and experiences to help people prepare for, respond to and recover from disasters and humanitarian crises.
0: Wonderful. Thank you again uh, for being here so, Uh, I don't know if you've watched the news, but just recently um, there was an article released um, where Michelle Obama talks about even her struggling with depression as a result of this pandemic and this isolation that many folks are facing. So I guess my question is for for the three of you is what are your organizations doing to help veterans at this time when so many of us are are forced into self-isolation?
1: Well, it's obviously been a struggle for uh, all of us, and with Team RWB, we're used to getting together multiple times a week, and for special occasions, whether they're races or, or special events, we see each other in our bright red eagle shirts, and we feed off each other's energy, and that's our motivation to get out and, and get together. And they, you know, everything kind of got shut down, well, we, uh we stopped all of our our local events um, a lot of the races and activities that we would normally be participating in got cancelled and that was tough um, fortunately team RWB had already started doing virtual events not specifically for the COVID-19 uh, issue but just to expand our reach to veterans who were not in local chapters or not able to participate with locally organized activities. So we'd already started doing virtual events. Personally, I wasn't a big fan of virtual events, especially virtual, virtual running races. I I'm thinking like, what's the point? I don't need another t-shirt. I don't need another medal. I'm not going to pay money just to go pretend I'm running with other people. It, It didn't make a lot of sense to me, but Last year, I did participate in one of Team RWB's virtual events. It was the 1776 Challenge. I was traveling quite a bit for work, not able to meet up with uh, my local chapter back home or even uh, the chapter where I was visiting on a regular basis, and I found myself kind of isolated. And so I started participating in this virtual event, which did a different exercise each day over the course of uh, a little over a month to add up to 100, or 1,776 repetitions, finishing on July 4th. And each day around the country, Eagles would participate in this event, check in to make it official, post a picture or a video, share it on social media. And I found myself feeling motivated and feeling connected. And I thought that was kind of cool. And it let me do it from my hotel room and and even though I was alone. And so when this hit this year, we did that same challenge. We added in some others. And we are continually doing these virtual activities and events. And each one's different and of different lengths. We just started one today called the Purple Heart Challenge. Today is Purple Heart Day, the day we remember the 1.8 million recipients of the Purple Heart And so for today, tomorrow, and Sunday, we're doing a virtual challenge where we move 1.8 miles, whether that's walking, running, rucking, cycling, just cover the 1.8 miles in honor of uh, one or more Purple Heart recipients, and we'll check in, we'll share that on social media, and it'll give us a, a sense, a feeling of being together, even if we're not.
0: Josh, how about continue mission?
2: Yeah, uh, for continue mission, during the, when they were having the the serious lockdown, we actually went through a lot of our puzzles, It actually uh, was delivering puzzles, because we have a ton of puzzles for veterans to do while they were locked down in their houses, and then also we um, handed out, at no cost to our veterans, a lot of the equipment that we have, uh, we took that equipment and let the veterans have it during the the serious lockdown part. And once they opened it up to 20 20 people or more, we opened our activities back up and been getting veterans out of the house and uh, taking them out paddle boarding, uh, cycling, and and doing events again with them. Because as a program, the you're designed to get people out of the house and moving. It's been devastating to have to tell everybody to, to stay home. And so we wanted to get people out as soon as possible. Plus during the, the serious lockdown portion of it, we continually uh, kept getting uh, calling the veterans, checking on everyone in our program, making sure that they were doing okay, and if they needed anything, and just try to stay as active with them as possible during that difficult time. But it's been nice lately to – the VAs even allowed uh, their people to start bringing veterans out to our organization again as well uh, the last – probably about the last month, which has been really nice to see them getting back out as well.
1: I'm curious, Josh. Can I ask, uh, what what are these puzzles?
2: Uh, Just regular uh, puzzles, like family puzzles, 1,000-piece puzzles, 2,000-piece puzzles – um, have a couple hundred puzzles at our house and so we Clorox all the puzzles down so they would be safe to <clears> transfer to the veterans and then we would drive to their houses and drop them off or they'd uh, show up at ours and would have it on the porch for them to keep the social distancing and the veterans were getting the puzzles putting them together when they were done they'd bring one back and trade it out for another one just to keep their minds busy So to me, it was all about keeping them busy and having something to do during the absolute shutdown of the country.
1: So these are jigsaw puzzles.
2: Yes. Cool. Yes.
0: So, John, for for Rubicon, um, how have you guys adjusted operations so that veterans are safe uh, while they're out serving?
3: Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. And that's the big thing that we've been working on uh, the entire time since March. And I'll start by saying it's great to hear uh, what Josh and Andrew and their organizations are doing. You know, every organization like ours that is so reliant on in-person physical activity uh, has had to find a way to adapt to this new reality right now uh, in keeping our members safe. So with Team Rubicon, you know, we are first a disaster response organization. We are not a traditional VSO, you know, we don't offer certain services to veterans, but what we do offer veterans is the chance to continue to serve their community. Uh, So with the whole coronavirus environment, the first thing we had to figure out was, can we safely operate? Can we safely deploy our veterans to disasters uh, to help our communities without exposing our volunteers to any unneeded risk? So since day one, We've been reevaluating our protocols on everything we do. We switched to virtual uh, environments for just about everything for, for about a month until we figured out what proper safety protocols were. Um, you know, and like Team RWB, such an important part of what we do is getting together in person and that, that one-on-one human connection. Uh, so for a lot of people, switching to virtual meetings all the time uh, was a big challenge. But what we have been able to do is find ways to operate safely uh, in our communities to get people the help that they need. One of the huge things that we've been working on uh, since the beginning of April is supporting feeding operations across the country. We've partnered with Feeding America, and our volunteers so far have had almost 300 operations where we've helped package uh, almost 7 million meals to communities in need. Uh, and we've been able to do that safely. We've also set up testing facilities across the country where we've been doing COVID testing for communities that have needed it. We've had medical operations uh, for the Navajo Nation uh, down in the southwest. And, and if you follow the news, you know that our Native Americans have been uh, disproportionately affected by COVID. So we've been really excited to be able to get down there and help that community. Um, so what we've really been doing uh, for our volunteers is constantly reevaluating what the safest way to operate is. So whether it's just wearing a cloth mask or wearing a Tyvek suit and uh, goggles and a face shield, whatever the operation calls for is what we will in turn uh, provide for our gray shirts. That's what our volunteers are called so that they can safely operate um, So besides all of the feeding operations that we've been doing to get communities food uh, during this challenging time, we've also been able to continue to operate for natural disasters that have been happening. Uh, Just here in the Northeast today, I sent out recon teams in uh, Delaware and Pennsylvania to check out storm damage that happened uh, from Tropical Storm Isaias. Um, And different than pre-COVID, now, when we send our teens out they can 't be sitting next to each other in the same cab of a truck. you know simple little things like that there has to be six feet apart from them, so they 're either in different vehicles or they 're in a van, you know windows open, face masks on, um, so we 're constantly reevaluating what we do to keep our our volunteers safe because our volunteers are our most valuable asset
1: so, so I was like, impressed, John sorry, I always wanted Andrew. to make a comment, John, I was impressed that. Right at the beginning of this whole COVID period, when so many uh, organizations and individuals were retreating, and appropriately so, you know, but trying to avoid um, being contaminated or further contaminating each other, I was impressed to see Team Rubicon rushing into the fray to, uh, you know, to be part of the COVID response. Uh, That's just kind of characteristic of the way your organization works.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say to, to all veterans organizations, you know, whether it's Continue Mission or, or RWB, veterans generally have a bias to action, right? The worst thing we can do is tell our people to stay home, that that's the safest thing. I mean, it's the most important thing to keep them safe. But our people just aren't satisfied if they're not helping and continuing to serve. Um, so it's been really fulfilling for us and for all of our volunteers to be able to find ways for them to safely operate and to safely help their communities. Um, it was certainly challenging in the beginning. You know, we, had, uh, t- we follow CDC recommendations, uh, and CDC said that anyone over the age of 65 was at higher risk. So we had to limit activities for our volunteers who are over 65, even though you know, they're in great shape and they're highly active volunteers, because we couldn't take the risk of exposing them to a higher risk. Um, you know, so we're constantly looking at that and it's just great to be able to continue to help the community safely.
0: I think this is a great time to take a break and hear from the businesses that are making this podcast possible. If you support us and what we are doing, please support them. Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson.
2: And I'm Jason Lee.
0: Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches.
2: Nope. You're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views.
0: That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. A hug or or even a handshake just aren't the same from six feet away. So what are you doing to help uh, veterans to connect? Because... Team Rubicon does a great mission, um, and they do a lot of great good, but to me, from what I've seen and, and the times i participated with Team Rubicon, the, as, as you mentioned, John, the connection is actually about the veterans coming together and working together, and it's a camaraderie that I get from the Marine standing next to me yeah. um, that's really kind of the, the thing that helps, that helps that veteran personally move forward. Yeah. So to all of you, what, so what are you doing to help veterans uh, stay connected?
2: Uh, this is Josh from Continue Mission. Uh, for us, you know, when, every time we greet, it's always a a hug, um, that type of stuff in our program. So to actually have that social distancing has been very difficult. Um, but like I say, we're getting our veterans back out and doing activities currently. But it's been tough to to not be able to have that, that connection with each other. Um, so the standard up way high five things about the best we can do and virtual hugs, basically, when we greet each other for an event. Um, but, yeah, the the human contact's been really missed on our program and uh, some veterans, we can't get away from it. They just pretty much tackle us. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> one of those things that you can't you can't really blame them. You know, we're just like, hey, you know, if you're comfortable, then then cool i 'm um, not going to push somebody away because um, this is a difficult time, and a lot of our veterans have really needed this you know and we 've stayed in contact with our local health department here in Davis County and been working with them on i mean we 've just been antsy okay, can we get them out you know what what do we need to do what what can you write us up so we can follow it to make sure we can get these veterans out of the house as soon as possible and and get them moving so it 's definitely been difficult for us to not have that actual human contact Uh, and then we also uh, ordered in a bunch of uh, buff masks for our veterans so every organization event that we've been holding lately we have those on hand to give the veterans if they don't have a mask so they have something with them uh, to wear seems how all the stores and shops now uh, are asking for that that's about the best we've been able to do as far as contact goes.
1: Yeah, we've run into similar situations. We certainly prefer getting together in person, we the physical contact. On the bright side, much of this has been occurring during the nicer weather, so we have been able to do some uh, in person activities in the fresh air, we keep our distance, we wear masks those who are not comfortable, we understand they 're just not going to come at all, and we don't want them to if they 're at high risk. but for those who are comfortable and and able to attend in person we we are doing a few things like that and uh we just keep ourselves spread apart our 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 group pictures uh look a little odd because we 're all standing six feet apart and uh we all have masks on and I still find myself smiling, even though I have a mask on. I, I don't know if anybody can see that. It's a, a weird experience. But uh, yeah, we we do what we can. I've also found that I've had a lot more interaction, uh, just one-on-one, whether it's emails or Facebook Messenger or text message, people reaching out. And I guess, you know, we just kind of feel alone. We want to make contact. And so I think... There's a lot of that just informal checking in on each other and letting people know that, yeah, maybe you're sitting alone in a house or an apartment and you're not actually getting to see people, but we are here for each other, whether it's a phone call or or a message.
3: Yeah. I'll agree with everything Andrew and Josh said, uh, you know, especially the hugging bit. I- I'm a hugger. So emotionally I've been suffering the past couple of months cause I, I, I hug. That's what I do. Uh, my teams know that my friends know that strangers know it. Um, so removing the hug uh, from events is, is definitely painful for many of us. Um, right. You you asked about uh, what we're trying to do to keep veterans engaged, something we've been doing up here in my territory is we hold weekly campfires on Saturday night. So a virtual campfire where uh, one of our leaders uh, runs the campfire. There's generally a topic. It can be anything uh, as inconsequential as let's talk about your favorite movies, or it can be something about uh, what was what was your best team Rubicon experience or what was your best military experience or things like that. Um, so having a no-pressure environment where people can get together and if they want to have a drink, they can have a drink and they can just hang around and, and shoot, the, shoot the, uh, the bull with their friends has been very ha- uh, helpful. And then when we do deploy in person, we're, we generally have someone who's in charge of safety and that person is the one who's going to drop the hammer if anyone gets too close. Uh, we ensure that everyone has their masks on, um, where there used to be hugs. You know, Just as Josh mentioned, there's now <laughs> high fives from six feet away or if you're feeling a little bit uh, risky, there might be an elbow bump. Um, but you know we're, we're constantly reinforcing the fact that we can't afford to let any of our brothers or sisters get sick from this, uh, but we still want to help the communities in need. And we also have very strict protocols. If any of our volunteers might have been exposed at any point, which certainly is a risk for our folks running medical operations, uh, Team Rubicon puts them in a hotel for two weeks as they uh, quarantine by themselves so that they don't put any of their family at risk or put anyone else at risk. Um, so we take every, everything very seriously and, and knock on wood, even with all of the operations we've been doing uh, since March and April, we haven't had anyone you know get gravely ill um, even you know, during these challenging times. So that's our number one goal because we can't try and help communities if, if our members get taken out by the sickness.
0: So, Andrew, what has Team uh, Red, White, and Blue done for you personally?
1: Well, when I separated from the Army, I thought I was done. I mean, I certainly appreciated my experiences and the, you know, what I was able to get from the Army, but I figured that phase of my life was done. I would close the door. I'd move on to something new. But very quickly, I noticed a couple of things. One, without somebody forcing me to get up in the morning and go do pt i was getting fat and the other thing i noticed is i actually kind of missed that uh those group activities that we were doing i missed those battalion runs i missed the even some of the unpleasant training you know misery loves company and and doing things together with my army buddies i i started to miss that and i i didn't know initially how to fill that void I tried to work out on my own. It was tough to keep myself motivated, with uh, you know, without a workout buddy, without somebody right there with me. Um, and then I, you know, I tried to do a little bit of running. I happened to stumble onto a group of guys wearing red eagle shirts and carrying a flag. At the same time, I read an article about this team, red, white, and blue, and what they were doing. And I got excited about this notion of veterans coming together and working with each other. And I I joined up. And what I found, it's like all the stuff I missed from the military, all the camaraderie, all the challenge, all the fun, without the middle-of-the-night phone calls, the deployments to places where people hate you and are trying to kill you, uh, without the bad. And so that's what I've enjoyed uh, even the I don't know, some people think it's silly that we all wear matching shirts. I, I I really kinda like that. I can show up when I travel, um at any other location and I'm at that Eagle shirt on and instantly they know who I am, I know who they are, and I'm I'm welcome and I'm part of that team, part of that group. And so that's that sense of belonging as well as the encouragement and um motivation to do healthy, active stuff.
0: Thank you. So, Josh, what do you want veterans to know? As as we're thinking about the pandemic and thinking about Continue Mission, what do you want veterans out there to know?
2: Well, you know, I started Continue Mission after what I used for my recovery after being wounded in Fallujah, Iraq. And a big part of that is getting outside and moving. And so I've been trying to, you know, motivate our uh, continue mission family to to get out and move uh, through July I did a a five k a day so whether I walked hiked cycled just trying to get people to know just go out and do a five k a day whether it's walking or anything to try staying active and getting outdoors um, and you know the whole thing is is moving. That was the best thing for my recovery, and what I pretty much designed continue mission around my recovery process, which was getting around like-minded individuals uh, like myself that have been there, done that, and uh, getting out and moving was the best thing for my mental health, because I was going down a very dark road, and when this pandemic hit, you know, I could see that was all starting to happen again, so it was just trying to keep our uh, registered veterans that are in our program reaching out to them a phone call and uh, encouraging them to to go on hikes and get outside and not just coop up inside the house all the time uh which was you know which was difficult even for myself you know that's where our program has excelled at is we set up the you know last year we did over like 160 events and served over 35 uh veterans and their support members and for all that to come to a halt you know doing three three events a week to nothing uh, was really devastating for us and so doing our best to keep everyone motivated that it was gonna would be able to get them back out soon and get moving again uh, definitely was a challenge uh, but you know now that we're able to start getting our veterans out again it's been really nice to see them and it also, let us know how valuable uh, programs like Red, White and Blue, uh, Team Rubicon and, and others, how important they are to the veteran community to get at people uh, in that camaraderie setting outside and moving.
0: So, John, uh, in spite of the pandemic, what successes have you seen um, in the work that Team Rubicon is doing?
3: Uh, great question. Um, it's... What's been really fulfilling for me is seeing what our volunteer leaders and our rank-and-file volunteers have been able to accomplish in face of extreme adversity. We switched uh, from what is a largely in-person environment to a virtual environment, basically overnight. Uh, And while there were challenges and headaches, our volunteers quickly adjusted and figured out ways that they could continue to plug in. And what this has really been great for, uh, for our volunteers is it, it reiterates the fact that you don't have to be a fully able, physically fit, uh, you know, juggling chainsaws kind of warrior to be in team Rubicon. There are a million other jobs and responsibilities that we can ask of you uh, to bring your own skills to the table. So you know, there's logistics work that can be done remotely. There's administrative work that can be done remotely. There's finance work that can be done remotely. And so it's really allowed a lot of other volunteers to step into the arena uh, and step up and really shine uh, in in an environment where previously they, they might have sort of held back um, in, the, in the shadows. So it's been really exciting to see a whole uh, additional batch of, of Team Rubicon uh, volunteers step up and, and be able to engage and positive, positive, excuse me, positively impact the organization. It's been really great.
0: So, how can people support your work
3: uh, in Team Rubicon? It's easy. You just go to teamrubiconusa.org, and there are two buttons on the top of the page. One is join, and the other is donate. Uh, we are a we are don't we are funded almost exclusively by private donations. We don't take money from the government, uh, so we're fully independent in how we respond and how we use our funds. Um, and when people donate, they allow us to continue to serve and to continue to go out and help communities in need. And the other way is just volunteering. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you don't have to be some uh, you know G i Joe King Kong guy who can do everything. You can be any size, shape, ability, you just have to have a desire to serve, and there is a place for you in Team Rubicon, and there's some way for you to continue to help. So sign up or donate, uh, and, and we will gladly welcome you with open arms uh, and a virtual hug. Not a real hug until we get better, but a virtual <laughs> hug for now.
0: And Andrew, same question. for How can, uh, how can people support Team RWB?
3: We have also a website,
1: TeamRWB.org. From that website, there's a Get Involved link, and you can join the organization. It's free to join for both veterans and non-veteran supporters. There's also opportunities to volunteer and to donate, that kind of thing. Often people want to support us thinking, hey, can I write you a check? And honestly, we, we would... We appreciate the money. We certainly can use the, the donations to support our programs, but it's really about getting involved and doing something with veterans. So if you want to support Team RWB and support the veteran community, come do something with us. We don't uh, necessarily – this, I think, was something that I heard you say once, Jason. We don't need you to do anything for us. Come do something with us.
0: So, Josh, same question to you. How can people uh, support Continue Mission?
2: Uh, yeah, we have the, you know, we work off of donations as well. org is our website where people can donate. And for us, the most important thing is spread about our organization. I mean, we're only six years old. We're extremely small. We run on probably $80,000 a year is all to do the events we do. And for us, the most important thing is getting veterans to learn about our organization and have them come out and join us. You know, the worst I receive are emails from family members of a veteran that has died by suicide, and they say, you know, if our veteran would have known about your organization, we feel they'd still be here today. And, I mean, that's the whole reason our organization got started, is after I lost one of my soldiers uh, to suicide. That was my wake-up call. Uh, to say we took care of each other during the war. We need to do that here at home and to let veterans know we're here for them and to get them out and get them moving and with other veterans. And in our organization, we love the family members to come out and join the programs as well because my family was such a, a huge part of my healing process. So if they bring out their family or a support member, we love to, to get them out and That a lot of times helps the veteran leave the house as well when they know they can bring a support member with them to enjoy our activities that are uh, free to the veterans and their support member. Uh, So for us, we're just trying to get the word out that we're here for them.
0: And then last, really my last question, and really for all three of you or anybody that wants to answer it, how can people reach out to veterans specifically at this time, but especially if those veterans might be high risk? And necessarily can't get out and and be involved.
2: Uh, for us, we I've just been reaching out to the veterans, and like I say, just trying to to keep them busy. Yeah, you know, like I say, we have the jigsaw puzzles that we have been loaning out. Just keep them, giving them something to do. And the networking in our programs where it really pays off. The veterans meet each other in our organization, so when they are filling down and out, they have other veterans to reach out to. So we're really encouraging our vets uh, to stay in contact with one another and and uh, get outside and go for a hike with with someone. And uh, if they're feeling down and out, the best thing to do is go for a go for a walk, and then then problems seem to fade away. So we're trying to keep everyone active. I mean, I know for me, the VA's canceled a lot of my appointments, and so I've been worried about our veterans not being able to go in and and get the help. So we're just doing what we can to, to keep them, keep them busy and let them know we're here for them. Just, just to go on what, uh, what Josh said, I think
3: that one of the the great things that's happened over the past decade, I mean, now going on two decades, which is insane. But one of the, the things I think that so many of our organizations have worked at is to remove the stigma of asking for help, right? Like you don't have to bear the weight of, of everything, uh, alone and you don't have to take it on your shoulders, there's always some way to help, whether it's calling the VA. I mean, the VA is is vastly overwhelmed, but they try. Um, or it's finding one of the organizations that's on this call uh, or any of the other uh, veterans organizations that are out there. There's always someone who's willing to listen and always someone who's willing to help. So if we can constantly reinforce to our brothers and sisters who might be at risk to not be afraid to ask for help, you know, that will only help in the long run and it will help them to to retain that sense of community uh, and that sense of identity. And, you know, if they're not alone, they have a better chance of succeeding and surviving.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything everybody has said. I know that I'm no professional counselor. If somebody is needing help or or anything like that, I, I don't, I'm not equipped to do anything professionally, but I can, I can listen or even, even just be there. You know, a lot of times that's all somebody wants is, is just to know that there's another person there that cares enough to be there. You don't even have to talk. We could go for a hike. We can go for a run or we can just sit, you know, over a a warm beverage or I guess this time here, a cold beverage. Um, But that just that connection. And if that connection has to be virtual, via zoom or whatever we can do that too um but definitely that connection one with each other that that matters
0: join us again for the next episode of we happy few if you have comments about the show please contact us by email at tips at com or on twitter at loudmouthjason. check out our website at loudmouthproject.com and navigate to the we happy few page You can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, iTunes, and other places where you find interesting shows. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps grow our audience. We would like to thank our producer and editor, Josh Tilton, and our creative director, Amy Donaldson, for adding the spit and polish to our show. I'm Jason Comstock, and until next time, keep listening Keep learning and stay engaged. We Happy Few is a production of the Loudmouth Project.